Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hey everyone, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. Today's episode, we chat with Olivia and Will from Australia. So we got to talk to another dad, which we love to do. We welcome papas on the show to share their part of the experience. But Olivia and Will have a really cool story in that they planned for home birth and at 37 weeks had to shift things up a little bit uh, when they were told they could no longer have a home birth um, due to amniotic fluid levels dropping. So they have a really great example of what to do when things shift up on us like that in life and in our birth planning because we know that can happen. You know, the best laid plans sometimes need contingency plans and contingency plans for those contingency plans. And Olivia is a neonatal nurse in a NICU and so she brings a really great perspective as well just on what she wanted to experience in her birth and you know when they found out they couldn't do the home birth anymore it was a process of just being at peace and accepting and preparing themselves to still have an amazing birth for their little daughter Audrey who is just the cutest thing ever so it's a really great story we got along really well with them we enjoyed hanging out with them and we will definitely be visiting them whenever we do our world tour and drop down in Australia (laughs) so here's their birth story hello Olivia and Will welcome to the show hi there Matthew hey guys thank you so much for joining Sarah and I on the doing it at home podcast we are really really excited to talk to you guys this is uh this is fun for us because we're on opposite ends of the of the earth yes you're in the future you're (laughs) you're ahead of us in time (laughs) monday morning here yeah and it's sunday evening here and this is also cool because we're joined by by will so will you're the as sarah was saying before we hit record you're the second dad to be on this podcast on this show so Thank you so much for for uh, having the courage to come on. <laughs> oh, easy, great to be here. Great. So, Olivia and Will, just take a second to tell us a little about a little bit about you guys. You know where you live, your family, what you all are up to, and um, just so listeners can learn a little bit more about you. Well, I'm Olivia. I'm 28, and Will and I have been together for seven years, and we've got a little seven week old baby called Audrey. And we live in Adelaide in South Australia, so quite a long way away from you guys. Mm. Um, I'm a neonatal nurse, so I'm a registered nurse and I work in a special care nursery that's attached to an intensive care nursery. Um, so I both work in both areas, but I don't look after the tiny little sick babies on ventilators. Um, and then we'll... Yeah, I'm... How old am I? 33? Cool. 34? <laughs> yeah. <something like> <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a bicycle mechanic. 
I work for the Australian National Cycling Team. Um, so a fair bit of travelling involved with that. I was in Flagstaff, Arizona, when I found out we were having a baby. Um, wow. So, and I, I lived in Boulder, Colorado for a couple of years as well. So sort of a bit familiar with the American American way of style of doing things. Nice. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said, Liv and I have been to, together for seven years. We've been living in the house that we bought for over a year now. And Audrey's the next step along the way. Mm. We're having a <laughs> Yes, she is. That's beautiful. So, tell me a little bit about when you did find out you were pregnant and you were stateside. Um, did you guys know you wanted to go home birth route or was that a decision you came to along the way? How did that pop into the scene? Well, we were talking about that and I can't really remember when we decided, but before we started trying for a baby, I started listening to podcasts. I listened to The Birth Hour. Mm. Um, that was before you guys came along and I listened every day to a podcast, but <laughs> I don't know, I, cause I think I worked with a midwife one day who was pro home birth and she gave me, she told me about the business of being born. So Will and I had watched that um, and Will's brother was actually born at home. So he's the eldest of three mm. and his mum had a terrible delivery at a hospital. So for her second baby, had a baby at home. So it wasn't that um, foreign to Will, the concept of it, but I remember... My 12-week appointment, Will was away, so I went on my own, but I requested a home birth that early on. So I don't know when we officially decided, but we'd been talking about it for a while. And I just, I think with all of the stuff that I see at work, I didn't want to be a part of that. I didn't want to have all of the interventions that can happen in a hospital. Um, I, I wanted to be at home. It just felt, it felt really normal and it felt like the right thing to do for us from the very beginning, I think. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, um, can you go into a little bit more of what you see at work or what you had seen at work that had moved you more to- towards home birth? You know, you mentioned, mentioned some interventions, but what, some more about that. I think that at the very beginning of the pregnancy, I was so scared. I think a lot of my pregnancy was filled with lots of anxiety about the pregnancy, not at all the birth, but because I see the sick babies, I see the tiny babies, mm. and I was so worried about having a premature baby, and I just look up some stats. Only 0.8% of babies are born less than 32 weeks, so it's such a tiny percentage, but it's all that I see, and it's just so normal for me. Yeah. And it's hard to forget that, you know, most of the babies, or hard to remember that most of the babies are at home with their mums mm. and are perfectly healthy. Um, but I have a few cousins and friends who have had babies in hospitals and went to cesarean section and then they had their second babies and they were booked cesarean sections and I didn't want to be I didn't want to do that um but actually we we had signed up with a um a midwife who so all of the, the midwives that you go through here we, we didn't use a private midwife through a it's through the hospital and we were going to deliver at a hospital about half an hour away from us so we went and looked at the birth center there and looked at the rooms and it was really nice, but we went home thinking our house is way nicer. Mm. Our home is like our bedroom and our lounge room and so much nicer than delivering in a, a really nice hospital room, yes, but we wanted to be at home. Um, and, yeah, at work I see I, I go to emergency set, uh, cesareans um, when things have gone wrong, um, failure to progress, all sorts of things, but I see everything that goes wrong, really. Um, and I thought that you could... I don't know, things could be more safe at home, but at the same time, there was a few times that I felt hesitant about it because I saw all the really scary things 
and I work with so many women who um, their view is so skewed about birth because of what they see and it was really hard for me to um, ignore all of the negative stories and the negative images about birth that I was seeing every day and I tried to not listen to all those stories and everybody wants to share their birth story and most of them aren't very nice Mm. which is why I loved listening to the podcast and I made sure I listened to positive birth stories Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, that, that's something that we encountered as well as we were you know, going through the pregnancy. It's, you know, people have, have great intentions when they share things with you, but they're not always positive and they're not always encouraging. No. And most you, of them aren't. Yeah. And you just kind of have to learn to deflect those. And so, uh, Will, yeah. Will, I'm curious, what was your uh, thoughts and opinions on home birth? Um, well, again, um, as Liz was saying, because my brother was born at home, um, yeah, with zero complications or anything, it was just seemed like, well, of course it works. Like, there's, why wouldn't you sort of thing? Um, plus, uh, sort of seeing Liz's family having kids and doing a bit of reading and sort of see the, the stats on how much more likely intervention is to occur if you are in the hospital environment. Um, that sort of, it just, it made sense to me that like psychology of the, of the mother is so important that if you're in a, a comfortable environment, things are more likely to go smooth rather than all of a sudden thrown into a, a sort of a foreign, very sterile environment with strangers around. Like it just made sense to me that, of course, that's going to make you sort of um, your subconscious sort of shut down a bit. Um, so yeah, for me, like home birth made sense. Um, yeah, you didn't take much convincing at no, all. No, it was yeah, it was hmm. just all right. Well, we'll just have to yeah adapt things here a bit to make it work, and and we're all good. Hmm. Uh, I, I think the confidence as well, being that the, the the program we were in was run by the hospital. Hmm. Um, hmm. There was checkups and and. And ticks you had to you had to uh, check off along the way to make sure you were, um, I guess, a very low risk um, category. All your risk factors were, were minimised, um, which in in the end was what uh, ruled us out. Um, but knowing that process was there made me feel a lot better because, well, the, the whole way along we sort of said, well, if, if it doesn't work out, the whole home home birth route, um, it's yeah. it's been for a very good reason that. Uh, that's put us in into the hospital. Um, so yeah, I was never worried one way or the other about it. That's true. Mm. So it sounds like you guys had a plan for what you wanted, but you were also open to things shifting and 
as long as you had, you had a healthy birth, that's really what mattered. Yeah, well, of course we didn't. We wanted to be. I mean, we didn't want to be in the hospital, but and I'd said to Will a few times through the pregnancy, "What if we can't have a home birth?" And he kept saying, "It'll be a really good reason why mm. we can't have a home mm. birth." Um, and he was right. Um, but the thing about so there are a few private midwives where we live, um, not very many, and they're quite expensive. So, um, and I don't know very many people who have used them. So if you go through a hospital, it's called a um, midwifery group practice. So you get a, a midwife who does all of your visits at home. Oh, that's watching. Um, hey, Audrey. She does all of your visits at home. <laughs> and she is, so she works for the hospital. She does um, deliveries in the hospital. In a, um, and then they do, home, they offer home births as well. Hmm. Um, though la I think last year there was 0.5% of home births in our state. So, and I guess the stats are pretty similar in America. There aren't very many home births at all. Um, but yeah, so if we would have had, if we would have had the baby at home, can you hear me? Little crying. <laughs> <laughs> She's just saying hello. Yeah. Um, so if we'd been at home, she, the midwife, so you would have had two midwives. We had a, a primary midwife and then you have a backup midwife and they are in communication with the hospital all through the home birth. Hmm. So, um, and they, if something were to go wrong and you had to transfer, they would have been on the phone to the hospital saying, we're on our way, this is what's happening. Wow. And even through the birth, they're talking to the hospital saying, this is what stage we're at, um, yeah, so I didn't. I don't think I would have liked to have had a private midwife because I don't have any affiliations with the hospitals here, um, and you really are on your own. The only um, drawback with that is you have to fit into a whole heap of um, criteria to fit in to have a home birth. Mm. Um, you have to be really low risk. You have to live within half an hour. Um, you have so we we were ruled out because. Uh, Audrey was really small, so she was IUGR, so she was growth restricted, and I had low fluid as well. So it wasn't until I was 37 weeks and four days that they told us we couldn't have a home birth. Wow. So we got all the way to the end. So that it was um, it was really disappointing. Um, but we, you know, there was nothing we could do about it. I, I'd say that if we'd had a private midwife, we could have had a baby at home, but then there would have been complications because she was so small and I wouldn't have wanted to have a baby, her at home anyway, mm. um, knowing that. Wow. Yeah. So, mm. you know, a little disappointing. Can can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, that is very close, 37 weeks and four days. When you got the news, well, how a, did you respond? Well, at 32 weeks, I was measuring that my handle height was low and everywhere I went, people would comment on how little I looked, especially I work with, I see pregnant women all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, the doctors were even mentioning, saying it to me. Um, and so, 32 weeks, I was measuring low. I got to 36 weeks, and I measured low again. And they said, "Let's do a scan just to make sure." And baby's weight had dropped off. And they said, "Let's just see what happens. We'll do another scan at 37 and four." Um, previous to that, I had not seen a doctor except for my first initial GP visit. Um, okay. But otherwise, there were no doctors involved. It was just the midwife. So we had a scan and I'd seen a doctor and she said, look, I don't think home birth is a good idea, mm. but I would have said, I, I guess you'd say that anyway. Right. Um, and so we came back for the next scan and I was feeling, I was feeling really anxious about what they were going to say and I was worried they were going to say we couldn't have a home birth, but I, 
I didn't want to, I didn't want to be distraught about that because I, you know, you hear all these stories about mums not coping with their birth or their delivery because it's not going to plan and they, like years down the track, they're still trying to deal with their birth, not going yeah. the way yeah. they had wanted it. And I didn't want that to happen to me. So we had the scan at the hospital and um, like the woman who did the scan told us that the baby was small and fluid was low, so, you know, it didn't look great. And we sat in the waiting room to see the doctor and I, I cried because I, I knew what she was going to say. Um, and we, when we went in to see her, I was surprised at how I actually dealt with it because I, I felt okay about it and I, I don't even know why. I think because I prepared myself hmm. for what she was going to say and, you know, we, there's nothing we were going to be able to do about it anyway. But we'd made it so far and we had everything planned. We had the pool and we had all our towels and we had the tarp and we had... We had a home birth kit already at home, mm. and the next day we were having oxygen cylinders delivered. Um, so yeah, we had to change all of that, but you know that's just that's just how it went. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was. Um, yeah. I, if um, if we had another one, I would I would definitely want to have a home birth. Um, but we had a beautiful birth anyway, so yeah, it's fine. I'm I'm happy. Wow. Uh, so let's talk about. Uh, Audrey's birth then so you you knew you would no longer be birthing at home I'm sure you and Will had a few conversations then and shifted the game plan so to speak at that point how did you proceed with um, how you well, would go to the so hospital that, or, or that whatnot go ahead well at the um at that scan and when the doctor said we were no longer el- eligible for a home birth she wanted to induce me at 40 weeks and I Straight out said, I did not want to be induced because, mm. you you know, the cascade of events after that, I just didn't want it. Right. And already, so from about 36 and a half weeks, I, we'd, I'd been doing everything that I could to try and um, bring on labour. Um, I started expressing it because I knew she was small. So at about 36-ish weeks, I started expressing, so I'd been collecting colostrum mm. um, because if we were at the hospital, I didn't want them to say that she needed formula or needed to go on a drip because she was so small. So wow. when we got to hospital, I had three meals of colostrum already to give to her. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. So, and I think lots of people don't know that you can do that, but because I work with so many midwives and some of them, some of the women I work with are lactation consultants, they'd said, you know, start doing it. So I collected it all and gave that to her. Um, But yeah, so at that appointment with the doctor, she said, I said, I didn't want to be induced. She said, what if we do a stretch and sweep this morning? And I said, yeah, let's do that because hopefully that would, you know, start things going and I could avoid being induced at 40 weeks. What is it called so again? She did that and she, it's called a stretch and sweep. I don't know. There might be another name. So it's not breaking the waters. It's, they um, release the membranes away mm. from the uterus. It's, I'm not a midwife, so that's my understanding of it. Oh, okay. It's not a very comfortable thing. They just sort of really sweep their fingers around in a circular motion and try and um, separate it a little mm-hmm. bit, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yes, I'm familiar. Um, I, they... They that's do stripping that. The membranes? Yeah, I think it's called something along the lines of stripping the membranes. But yes, that, oh. that yeah, does I not think, sound very lovely. Yeah, Oof. yeah. Um, so she did that. She said I was my cervix was soft and short, and I was already one centimeter. Mm. So she said it's very unlikely that you'll get to forty weeks and then she induced. So went home and that night, I thought I was going into labor. I thought, yep, we're having a baby tonight. And you know, next thing it was the morning and there was no baby. Oh, wow. Um, but the next day, I lost my mucus plug in the morning and I drove around for the next few days with a plastic bag on my seat in the car just in case. <laughs> um, yeah. You're ready. Um, 
Yeah, ready. And then on Friday night, it happened again. I thought I was going into labor, but no baby in the morning. And then on the Sunday, so I'd had that stretch and sleep on the Wednesday. And on the Sunday, um, we went out for a nice dinner and and that night, so 3 o'clock in the morning, so on Monday morning, that it was the real labor. I knew it was the real thing. And I had a, a TENS machine. And I saw, I, the last one of the podcasts you did, I saw that she used a TENS machine. And you had never heard about that before. Yeah, yeah. That is correct. We were like, <laughs> what's that? What that? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine told me to use one. So, and it was great. I had it, so I put it on at 3 o'clock in the morning. First thing I did, put that on. And mm. that stayed on until, oh, well, until we had to go to the hospital. So we labored all day but Monday morning. And all day Monday we were at home. We went for a walk and with the dogs. And we sat out the back with picnic rugs and right under the tree and read books. And Aww. I'd called the midwife just to let her know things were happening. And she came to our house um, at about lunchtime and checked me. And she said, you're only one centimetre. Which I because initially I had planned on not having any checks because I didn't want to be disappointed. Mm. And I was really disappointed because I'd been one centimetre last Wednesday, or the mm-hmm. Wednesday before. And she said to me, I don't think this is labour. I think that you should just ignore it because you'll be just exhausted if this goes on. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure it is labour. <laughs> and so we just did, you know, did our thing that day and watched a few movies and hung out. And then I called the midwife again and she came back about 9, 9 p.m. And she said, you're still one centimetre. You really need to ignore this and just try and sleep tonight. And there was no way I was going to ignore it. So we laboured all Monday night at home. Um, didn't sleep at all. So I hadn't slept since the 3 a.m. Wow. And in the morning, it was probably 5 o'clock, I said, well, we need to go to the hospital. So with the hospital, it's, um, we were going to the birth centre. It's, it's in the hospital. So there aren't, where we live, there aren't any birth centres. They're all within the hospital. So if anything would happen, we would just be transferred down the hallway to yeah. a hospital room. Um, so we called the midwife and I said, we're going to come in. She said, okay. So we got to the hospital about seven in the morning and she said, oh, four centimetres. And I think I was hoping to be seven or something. <laughs> anyway, she said, yep, come in. So we got to our room at about 7.30 and it was a beautiful room with a, a really big window looking out onto this beautiful park and there was a birth pool and there was a shower. So we spent the whole morning in the shower with Will um with the hot water on my back and it was probably 11 and she said, I think I want to check you because I think you're progressing more than you, like quicker than you think. And I was seven centimetres and while she was checking me, she accidentally um, broke my waters. Mm. Oh, wow. um, anyway, that oh, didn't bother me too much. And so we kept going. She said, well, we'll get in the pool now because they'd said she didn't want me to get into the pool until I was six or seven because your labour can regress or slow it down if you're in the pool too early. Mm. Um, but this whole time in the birth centre, it was just Will and I. She, the midwife, would come in every 15 to 20 minutes and with the Doppler and check baby's heartbeat. And apart from that, we didn't see her. It was just so beautiful to be two of us. And I know with you guys, you had a big birth team, mm. but we wanted it to be just us. So if we were at home, it would have been just us and the mid- midwife. And oh, it's nice. I, feel, I feel like we wanted to just be our little family yeah. and not have other people there to, I don't know, to distract us or, I don't know, just, I thought it was just such a special thing to do for two of us. Um, anyway, so I'd got into the pool at about 11 o'clock and um, that was beautiful. The water was just, was amazing. Just that warm, I can't even explain why. It's just so buoyancy <laughs> and the warmth. And, That's know, what we hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool the that you got to have water. We, what's that? Sorry, I was saying that's cool that you had that you, you were able to have water because you said if you know when you were preparing for your home birth you had a, a a labor pool a birth pool so it's nice that yeah you had that at the birthing center 
Yes, and I made sure when they said we had to go to the hospital, I said, can I still have a water birth? And the doctor said, yes. Mm, okay. Yes. Well, that's, so that's really what I was hoping for. Um, but one positive we, you know, we thought about when we, they said we couldn't have home birth because we were worried about running out of hot water. At least at the hospital, I can have the shower on hot all day long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I have a question about the, yeah. the, the birthing center within the hospital. Is that just your choice at that point when you're making your birthing plans with the hospital? Um, or is there some sort of criteria to be able to be in the birthing center? Um, so if you go through this program called Moodle Group Practice, you are in the birthing center. Oh, okay, great. Um, the hospital, yeah. So the hospital I we went through took high risk women in the birthing center. Um, I didn't give birth in the hospital that I work in because we didn't live in the area and they wouldn't, even though I you know worked down the corridor. They um, they said no, sorry, you can't have a baby here because you live out of the catchment. But mm. they where I work, they don't take high risk in this group practice. Um, so if you didn't want to do group practice, you would have just rocked up on the maternity ward and you would have had a midwife that you'd never met and mm. she would have finished her shift eight hours later and you'd have another midwife. Gotcha. So the birthing centre are just birthing rooms um, that are completely different to the hospital rooms. The hospital room is just a very sterile bed mm-hmm. with no bath, just a regular hospital room. Um did that, did, that, did that answer your question? Yes, yes, it did. It's just, it's so yeah. cool to hear the different routes you can take and under what regulations and how hospitals, you know, when you went to your very first appointment, you got to check the box of home birth. Yeah. You know, that was an option yeah. for you under the auspices of a, of a hospital. That's that's very interesting yeah. to me. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're very lucky. Hey, everyone. It's summertime, and momming ain't always easy, especially when you're running on little sleep. But our friends at Reverie are dedicated to providing moms and pregnant women like you with top-notch sleep with their power bed. Now, Reverie sent us our very own power bed to try out, and this thing is awesome. You can go to our Facebook page and check out some of the videos of how we assembled it and just hanging out in it with baby Maya. I wish we had this thing sooner, like when I was pregnant, because it allows you to customize your sleep position for back support, swollen feet, and any other general discomfort. It's great in postpartum life too for healing and recovery as well as nursing. Now the Power Bed has won the Women's Choice Award for six years straight, and 98% of women who purchase would recommend it to a friend or family member. And it's way more affordable than you would think. So go to momsneedsleep.com slash home to learn more. Once again, that's momsneedsleep.com slash H-O-M-E to learn more. So I was in the, the pool and she checked me at 11 and afternoon, and then she said it was about two. She said, I think that I am. Um, I think I want to check you again because we was trying to feed me some toast and I think I threw it across the room <laughs> during one contraction. So she said, well, let's check you, see how you're going. And she said, you're 10 centimetres, so you can start pushing. Oh, um, cool. But she said, baby's head was up a bit, so she wanted me to get, she said, I'll get you out of the pool for a little while. Just, to, I want to get you on the birth stool in the shower and you can just bring baby down and then hop back in the pool. Right. And I, I didn't feel like I wanted to push yet. And with all the hypnobirthing stuff, they don't ever talk about pushing. And I hadn't planned to push and I hadn't planned to be coached into pushing either. Um, but I was on this birth door and she was telling me to push. And, and I pushed and um, pushed and pushed and pushed. And that, those birth doors are, are so uncomfortable. 
uh, just the worst thing ever, but she said it's the right the right place, right spot to be to get baby down. And then she said things aren't. I'd probably been pushing for an hour, and she said, "Can I just get you up on the bed?" At this point, there was another midwife there. She said, "I want to get you up on the bed, and I want to for both the midwife to just be sitting on the bed and your feet up against us, just to see what's going on, see if you can get a little bit more leverage, I guess." And I pushed and pushed and pushed, and I was so tired, I was so exhausted, because mm. it had been going on for so long, and mm-hmm. nothing was happening, and I still didn't feel like I needed to push. And I think at that point, I just I, 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 I was starting to give up because it was just, it had, been, it had been too long. And the midwife said, I think we need to get a doctor to come and have a chat to you about some interventions. And I just, I felt like I lost the plot. I just was, I was so disappointed that I hadn't been able to do it myself. Mm. And I said, no, I don't want doctors. And I, at this point I started to cry. And she said, um, the doctors might need to do an instrumental delivery because baby's just not coming down and I, I just did everything that I didn't want. Yeah. Anyway, the doctor came in and she said, what if we do an epidural because you're really exhausted. We know that baby's small. This has been going on a really long time. If you have an epidural, you'll be able to have a little sleep and then push baby out on your own because the last thing I wanted was a cesarean. Mm-hmm. And I think because everything was happening so fast, I... Like, you know, in Ina May's book, she talks about moving to a hospital, moving somewhere else that you're not comfortable with and things all slow down because of that. And I think that that is probably what happened mm. um, with those doctors being involved. And I, I said, okay, let's have it. Let's do the epidural because I didn't, I wanted to do it on my own, like push Audrey out. So because we were going to have the epidural, we had to move rooms. They couldn't do it in that room. So we had to walk down the corridor and the midwife said, I'll put you in a wheelchair. And I just didn't want, I didn't want the wheelchair. So I walked down and I remember seeing some midwives and nurses at the, hospital, at the nurse's station. And I was there through a contraction. I had a dog and there was blood dripping on the floor and, oh, such a mess. But anyway, I got to the room <laughs> and um, I felt like all of a sudden I needed that epidural right then and then. And I think it was because everything was happening and everything was changing. I wasn't comfortable anymore. Yeah. Um, but we still had the midwife follow us. Um, um, the same midwife. So Anesthes came, had the epidural, and she, the doctor came. The doctor, the interesting, the doctor came in and said, "I'll just check you first And she checked me, and I was only nine and a half centimeters. So I'd been pushing for an hour and a half at nine and a half centimeters. Oh wow! So no wonder nothing was happening. So yeah. I think that I was, I was pretty annoyed then that I had worked so hard for such a long time when nothing was ever going to happen anyway. Because I hadn't, I wasn't fully dilated. Right, and you didn't said, feel you didn't feel like pushing either. You no, said. that's that's right. Because mm. people talk about this feeling of needing to do a poo, and I I didn't have any of right. that. Right, because I wasn't fully dilated. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, anyway, the doctor said, have the epidural and we'll just give you a couple of hours. You can have a rest, um, you know, get your strength back and then we'll be able to push baby out. So I feel like we dozed a bit. I remember seeing Will sitting in the chair and we sort of slept, but I, I don't really remember then. But it was probably 4 p.m. that I'd had the epidural and I'd, so I'd been 2 o'clock that I'd started pushing. And it was probably 6 or so and they said, okay, you're 10 centimetres. I want to give you another hour for baby to, head to come down further. Um, so we waited another hour and it was maybe 7.30 or 8 o'clock and I started pushing again. And the thing about the epidural, you can't feel, you can feel the the pressure of the contraction um, and you can feel the tightening in your tummy, but you can't feel the contraction. It's exactly what I didn't want and what they talk about in the, you know, the business of being born. You can't feel where to push and mm. you don't have an effective push because of the epidural. Um, anyway, so... Pushed and pushed and pushed and still nothing happened and it was 9 o'clock and the doctor came in and said, look, I think that we need to do an instrumental, I think we need to do forceps and I was like, no, no, because I see so many babies with injuries because of the forceps and yeah. I know how how much it damages the mum mm. and I don't want any of that and the midwife was so supportive, she just was amazing, she um so encouraging, she said to the doctor, no, we're, we're just going to give it a little bit longer. We're gonna we're gonna try. We're gonna do this on our own. That's really so, great. Um, that yeah, she was supportive amazing. like that. And at this point, what's that? I said it was so great that she was supportive like that. Like she was she was on your team yeah, and just rooting beautiful. for that. Yeah, she mm. was. She really was. Mm. Um, which is so great that you can have the the midwife, the midwife advocate for you when you have to have the doctors involved. Yeah. Um, because I feel like I value the opinion of the midwife more so than I do of the doctors in birth. You know where birth is concerned anyway. Mm. Um, anyway, so the doctor said, I'll give you till 9.30 to keep pushing on your own and see if you can get baby out. And I pushed and pushed and pushed and just nothing was happening. And she came in and she said, look, I can get this baby out in 10 minutes if we do it now. And I was like, okay, let's do that. Because at work, I, I, you hear it all the time, they failed, um, failure to progress and end up going to section. And I'm actually surprised that they... Didn't, we didn't go to section because mm. it's been so long. Mm, yeah. um, so since 2 p.m. and she wasn't born until 10 o'clock that night. Um, but I was really scared of the forceps and I don't know why because I think I'd forgotten that I had an epidural and I wasn't going to feel anything anyway. But I'd said to the doctor, and at this point we had an anaesthetist in the room, we had the obstetrician, we had another doctor, we had the midwife, we had a pediatrician, we had a neonatal nurse. Wow. So a million people it felt like. Wow. Which would have you know, completely different to how it was going to be at home and even in the birth centre. But I'd said to the... I felt like they... Because um, they, they knew where I worked, so they knew that I... I knew what was going on. And they I, they really respected how I felt and my views and my opinions. And I'd said to the doctor, look, um, I wanted to have um, a Vontuz extraction instead of the horses. So the Vontuz is the suction cap. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, so she's... Even if she, she didn't really like that idea because she said, no, I'd rather do the forceps. I said, well, I'd rather you do the, um, the Vontus. 
she said, okay, so we tried that and that didn't work. She said, she'll give it a go and if not, we'll do the forceps. So we went to forceps and she wanted to do an episiotomy. I said, no, I don't want an episiotomy. And she said, okay. And then I said, we don't know the sex of the baby, so please don't tell us. She said, all right. And I said, if I want baby straight in my chest, she said, as long as everything's right, she'll go straight to your chest. Mm. So next thing... um, her head came out and it was all purple and then her body came out and she, it was like she just flew to me straight in my chest and she was so slimy and slippery and it was like everybody <laughs> in the room disappeared. Oh. It was just us and I feel like I could just cry thinking about it. It just mm. was the, the most beautiful moment of my entire life and this sounds so silly but it, I think that if I, in my whole life if I just think back to that moment, if anything's going wrong in my life, I think back to that, everything will be okay. Yeah. Just, I, I wish that I could have that feeling a million times over. I'd have another baby again tomorrow just to have that. Mm. Um, so I think, and she was on my chest for probably 15 minutes, and then they said they wanted to just take her over to the little trolley and do the cut the cord and all of that sort of stuff. So we did that and brought her back, and she, within half an hour of her being born, she was breastfeeding, and she just is the best breastfeeder. She's amazing. Mm. I don't have, I hardly have to do anything to help her out. And I've got lots of milk, I think, because I started expressing before. Um, you know, it had already I had a whole heap of colostrum. And because she was so little, so she was only five pounds 13, um, they had to do, which was um, right on the borderline of transferring from home anyway. Mm. So if we'd been at home not knowing that she was small, we would have had to go to the hospital to check her sugars, like her blood sugar level, mm. um, okay. which is, you know, in hindsight, I wouldn't have liked having to just had this baby in this beautiful moment and then quick, let's get in the ambulance and go to the hospital. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was glad that we were, were at the hospital and her sugars were fine. They were really good, but we still gave us a little bit of colostrum from the syringe just to top her up a little bit. Um, but she was perfect and everything was so beautiful. And I, um, the next, when I, I spoke to my hypnobirthing, um, the lady who did the hypnobirthing classes, she's a friend of mine and she's a, neonatal nurse and a midwife and she spoke to me after she said did the hypnobirthing give you unrealistic expectations of what it was like and I said like it didn't at all because yeah it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be I I think I went into it thinking it was going to be so easy and it was going to be pain-free and it wasn't but um I went into it and I the birth not being scared at all I was really excited about it and you hear so many mums they're so fearful of the delivery and the pain and yeah. I hadn't even thought about it at all and the hypnobirthing like I'd watched lots of videos of home births or just hypnobirthing videos of the mums you know their faces were completely calm and there was no screaming and everything was beautiful and it wasn't really like that for me but it was so nice going into it not being scared um, and I felt calm all the way through the pregnancy about that so I'm really glad that we did that and I had no, at home we had all the positive other uh, birth affirmations hanging about the place. I'd made some some little cards to put up all over in our bedroom and in the toilet and um, in the lounge room, and we brought some of those to the hospital. So yeah, I feel like we had a really positive birth experience, even though we weren't at home, and even though I had to have an epidural and we had to have forceps and I had a tear and we had stitches. Of, it's still none of that mattered because yeah. we had a perfect baby. Like you said, in that moment when Audrey came out, everybody else in the room just melted away, and it was just the three of you. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I love, I love about your story is 
it really depicts home birth as a mindset and as mm. a will and as a, a lifestyle um, going into this experience with that decision in mind, that plan, but yet rolling with the, the things, the circumstances that can shift, you know, what we, what we intentionally initially envision. Um, mm. And you, despite the environment you come from in your work, like you said, you're surrounded by a lot, a lot of fear and a lot of potential mm. negative energy that you could have worn on, but moving forward mm. powerfully with your plan. And then, like you said, so long without sleep, um, not in your, mm. your comfort zone, your environment that you're yeah. going to be used to, just really harnessing that patience and that trust. And I think it speaks uh, worlds about you and who you are for yourself and your your trust of yourself and your intuition, you and Will and your connection. Mm. Like you just listed suction, forceps, epidural, tearing, yeah. all of those things. Mm. And yet you just said that you had a very positive yeah. birth experience. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, we did. Mm. Um, and I think because I was so disappointed that we had to have those in the interventions, but looking back, like I made, well, I didn't quite make it to 10 centimeters. I made it to pushing or like we had no pain relief. We were just, just the three of us yeah. um, all on our own. And I'm really, I'm really proud of myself that I did that. And, you know, it doesn't matter that we ended up with an epidural. It, you know, it doesn't mean that I couldn't do it or, you know, it just, um, yeah, not it, at all. How it happened. Yeah, you got a beautiful, healthy yeah. baby, and and Will, are you still there? I didn't know if you had stepped away. Yeah, just, just come back. Perfect timing, because I got a question for you. So, oh, he's just someone's at the door. He's just gone down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna hold that question then, because what I want to hear from Will is has to do with the uh, learning that home birth was gonna be taken off the table, because that's you know that that kind of especially how deep into your pregnancy you guys got. For you all yeah. to be able to just shift and, you know, like you said, it was disappointing, but you just shifted and then kept it moving. Um, that to me is pretty inspiring. And um, I know a lot of the families, moms and families out there listening can can learn a lot from your example and how you guys just experienced that and flowed with it. Uh, I think as well, because like, on, on that, when, um, I mean, when we went in to see the doctor before, she was either going to tell us that home birth was on or it was off. I think Luke said, I'll be, I'll be so disappointed. Like, what if we can't have it at home? Um, but once we'd had the news and gone through with the doctor, Liv was fine with it. She said, oh, I feel, I'm surprised how, how good I feel about this. Um, so, I mean, it's, I guess it's, uh, it's not something you control your feeling. You can't control how you feel. But um, if, if you know that there's, there's another option that's going to work out fine as well, it's not. Uh, you're not going to be disappointed by it sort of thing. Um, yeah. And I think we knew because we were never going to do anything that was unsafe. Yeah. And being at home, the midwife had said, if anything at all slightly goes wrong, we'll be transferring to the hospital. And we have to, I think I had to sign something to say that I was okay with that. If things were going wrong and the midwife said, we have to go, then I would have to say, all right, that's all right. Um, because, you know, I, we wanted to do everything you know, make sure that I was safe and that baby was safe. Um, yeah, so it's just mm. how it happened, I think. Or worked out how it was supposed to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Will, what, what were you thinking as, you know, you guys went to the birthing center and just time kept ticking on and 
the doctors were coming in and saying, well, we think you, you should do this. And, you know, you guys are saying, no, we're going to continue with this. Like, what kind of things were going through your mind through that entire period? Um, oh, well, I think, uh, like, it was all just happening as it was supposed to, as far as I was concerned. Like, I know that, yeah, some some labors can be over and done with in an hour or two. Others can take all day sort of thing. So I wasn't thinking, oh, well, should, we should be up to this point or this should be happening now. Um, but you could see how it was. Yeah, yeah, once, it, once they suggested um, the, the epidural, I sort of, probably for half an hour, I'd been... Thinking, oh, yeah, Lib's done. She's not going to be able to do it like this. Um, so I, I, I was sort of, yeah, I, I was sort of uh, probably accepting that that advice was was the way to go. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as well, when she was pushing at the very end, before the the doctor um, came in with the forceps, basically, even even with the midwife sort of encouragement and coaching, I was sort of look, it's just not happening sort of thing. Um, I hope I hope that kind of, <laughs> that attitude didn't sort of live, didn't pick up on that or anything. But um, <laughs> but it, so even with that, it was, oh, well, if, if that's the way it has to work out and, and that's how it works out, the, the doctor, she was all sort of hustle and bustle, but she knew exactly what she was doing and that, yeah. I, I was confident in her. Um, I, so, I think also I knew that um, lots of doctors, try to scare them when they're at a point in their labour and they say failure to progress, we need to go to section. I knew that I wasn't going to be scared into that because I knew that things were okay. Um, and I said that to her. I said, no, I'm, I feel okay because she said, you know, baby's heart, she's little, blah, blah, blah. I said, no, I think that I just want to keep going, keep doing what we're doing for a bit longer. Um, we just have to get the dummy. We're talking about you, Audrey. Um, yeah. Well, last question for Will. Will, what was the what was the moment like for you when Audrey came out? He's hang on. He's oh, not he here. Just at stepped home. away. He's, just okay. got <laughs> He's a dad, right? I forget that. Dad, he's a very good dad. <laughs> he's doing what you have to and do on lots of interviews. What it was, I know. What it felt like for you when she came out with? Oh, it was no, unbelievable. Um, it's sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know if you can describe it, but just the, the moment when, yeah, she's on Liv's chest and, and the three of us are there. There was, I don't know, 10 people in the room, all the, all the medical staff and that and running around, but I, like didn't even realise they were there. Sort of thing. It was just the three of us, so yeah, it's, uh, it's an amazing feeling for sure. Mm, that's awesome. Sarah and I have been. Uh, we have your Olivia, your Instagram account open, and so we've been sort of glancing oh, with, all, with all of my photos. Yeah, <laughs> just the. the <laughs> <laughs> you know, the same thing happened to Sarah's. Yeah. Maya took it over, but um, yeah. you guys are a beautiful family. Oh, thank you. Guys, I'm just curious to to wrap up this amazing conversation. What's some advice that you'd like to leave with other families who, like you, might set out with a certain plan and it just gets shifted in a, a very real way? What what advice do you have? Um, well, I think try not 
be too disappointed if things don't go to plan because often well, you can't plan everything for a birth mm. because things don't go the way that you always want them to because right. it's a natural process. And I'm just so, so glad that I felt okay with it because I really did not want to be, you know, postpartum-wise years down the track just really disappointed with how things went because I knew that that wasn't going to be... Um, you know, I just well, I just didn't want that to happen. So if you just go into birth, any sort of birth that you're going to have, if you go into it with an open mind and you can't plan for things, just go with the flow. Mm. And, yeah, that's all that you can do. But I, I just, I want to, I read this one book, so I read Ina May, but I read a book called Unhindered Childbirth by Sarah Morgan Haydock, and it was about free birthing, and not that I would ever do that, um, but it was so good to read, um how it can be so natural and so normal and you really can do it. And I, it was such a beautiful book, um, especially because I see so much negative stuff at work. It was really nice to read. Um, but things are so natural and it's what you're supposed to do. Mm. That's mm. great. What's the name of that? Uh, what's the title mm. of that book again? It's called Unhindered Childbirth. Unhindered Childbirth. All right, cool. We'll put a link for everyone listening. We're going to put a link to that book in the show notes. For this episode, which you'll yeah. be able to find at diahpodcast.com. Yes. There's, there's another documentary that nobody has mentioned yet. Like, it's American, so I'm sure you would have heard it. It's called Why Not Home. Have you heard about it? I, 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 ha- I have, yes, and I'm looking to, to get in touch with someone from that <laughs> wink, documentary. Wink. <laughs> so if anyone is listening who has a connection to the yeah, creators. <laughs> I've watched that. I watched that when I was about 35 weeks pregnant, and it was an amazing movie um, because it interviews doctors and nurses and midwives all who have chosen to have babies at home right and i can see and why that's like so that, applicable like to me, you <laughs> yeah well that's right it's um you've made an informed decision especially because you know all of the things that go wrong mm-hmm. um, and you still decided to have a baby at home mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah uh, get hold of that documentary if you can it's uh, very good Great. Oh, that's awesome. That Thanks will for be that linked in the show as well. Yes, it will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Olivia, Will, if you're there with Audrey out there <laughs> doing daddy work, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you. I'm so uh, grateful that we were able to connect, Olivia, and you allowed us to share your story. And um, if you are listening, Go to our website, uh, diahpodcast.com, and look at the show notes for this episode because we are going to include pictures of this gorgeous child yes, that you need to look at. And it's just, you guys are just such a cute family. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so glad to be on your show because I've listened to you since, well, since you released the show, I think. I started listening to you before Maya was born, or oh, before you did her birth right. episode. Oh. Yeah. Well, we're honored. We thank are. you. We really are. Yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad approved? Dadages. Hi there. I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.